future, please say yes. Um, so this morning we've got Alan and Sandra Chapman-Smith. So if you guys want to come down and hop in the, hop seat, white, the white hot seats. Um, and I can grab a mic, Colin. Would that be all right? Oh, that. Yep, thank you. You guys have one of those. This is like being at the Tahi Bar. That's it, yeah, just like the bar. The drinks are a little bit cheaper as well. I think, yeah. There you go. No, you each got one. Up and running. Wonderful. So, um, so really, what what these um, kind of come to the table series are is we're sort of we've been sort of looking a lot about communion and how how that is um, so much more than maybe what we have we've sort of it, it so much more than what it's kind of probably become in very much of our. Um, our practices. It's not, it's not less than that, but it's a lot more. And one of the things that it is, it's, it's a reminder again that we are part of, of a bigger story. We're part of the story of God's table and that there's, we, are, we are being invited, all of, all of creation, every man, woman, and child on the face of the earth is, is being invited and has a place at God's table, God's story. And so the idea is that, that over this sort of foreseeable future, we're going to use these times, the third Sunday of the month, to really hear from people. It's been couples so far, but I'm kind of working on that. It doesn't have to be couples, so watch out, you singles. I might just be, that sounds really dodgy. I might be phoning you up. No, no. Um, anyway, and, and the idea is that as we come together, you know, one of the highest things that we value it in Maharangi Vineyard is is being a living and authentic life and, and being, being honest about our own journeys and, and, and knowing that no matter what our story is, we are part of a bigger story, a story of redemption, a story of healing, a story of belonging, of forgiveness. And so, so these guys this morning, I'm really excited to hear um, their stories. I did a little bit of a catch-up with them during the week, so I think we're, we're in for something very, very special this morning. Um, but yeah, that's sort of a little bit of the why behind it. And then, and then loving the idea that, that then our gathering around the table just sort of continues on into literally gathering around the table, sharing lunch together, sharing life together, and, and knowing that our stories intertwine. And as we do that, we are part of God's story. So I'm just going to pray, and then we'll, we'll get started. So Father, I thank you so much for Alan and Sandra. I thank you for their yes. I thank you for the preparation that's that's gone on really we talked about a month ago for this about this morning and so God I just thank you for them I thank you for your um, your presence with them I thank you for um, their stories but also how their stories interweave with your story we pray this morning that that we would be encouraged by all that you've done in them and through them through the extraordinary and through the ordinary God and would you bless them as they have given and as they give this morning to all of us? Would they know your, your blessing over their life, over their children, over their grandchildren, over their great-grandchildren and generations to come, that they would know you in Jesus' name? Amen. Wonderful. So why don't you guys start um, 
obviously this is Sandra and that's Alan, um, but um, why don't you start by maybe sharing something about yourselves that might surprise us all? How about, how about something like that? The very first thing is, like Dej, just like to thank the church for all... Oh, sorry. We got business? Yep. Ah, that's good. Just to thank the church for all your prayers and support over the last year, very important to us. Thanks. Um, I think, uh, what's something that's unusual? 1970, I saw Jimi Hendrix live. Ooh. There we go. I think you had a little bit more hair back then too, didn't you? It was like a yep, bad hair. Yeah, there Afghan we go. Afghan coat. <laughs> That tells you how old he is. Um, yeah. <laughs> about me, something you might not know about me. Um, I was born in Brazil. I so didn't I'm know that. Well. Brazilian. Um, that's it. Yeah. Um, could, could go along with that. And I, my mother, so a quarter of me is Italian, quarter of me is Chinese, quarter Scottish, quarter English, so big mix. Yeah. Nice. Great mix. Well done. Wonderful. So, so what I've kind of do, what we do with these um, mornings is kind of like I send them out um, some really big open-ended questions to sort of really consider thinking about their, their faith journey. And I've sort of, these guys have kind of looked over them. They don't have to be followed one, one after the other, but sort of, I know, Alan, you've sort of gone through and I met up with Alan during the week and we've sort of gone through um, some of them. But one of the things that, one of the questions we've asked, Alan, why don't you start by sort of just sharing a little bit about that, that first question um, where you talk about the sort of the gift of faith um, that you've, you've received. Surely, and please excuse me if I use notes. I'm probably safe that way. Uh, I was blessed by an experience of the Well, yeah, yeah, or even maybe like I, I love, we, we chatted a little bit about sort of that idea of, you know, um, or why don't you share, maybe say about the year that you talk about, the year that's been. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm, I think for me that question, has my faith changed, especially over this last year? I would have to say no to that because I think my faith is in Christ. He has saved me, he has redeemed me. My past has taught me, has grown my faith. I think one thing I did say to Lyndon was when I thought about it, the past prepares you for the present and the present prepares you for the future. So we had a lot of things in our early journey of faith that I think has brought us to a place where we could stand quite firm. The thing that has changed over this, especially this last year, is my understanding of what hope is. And I think in the past I would have prayed hoping in an outcome of something. Whereas this last year has taught me that hope is Jesus. 
that I don't need to hope in an outcome of any other sort than that I'm with him and that my eternal place is with him. Mm, wonderful. So, and, and why don't you, for those who, those who don't know, um, what has, maybe Alan, you, do you want to share that about sort of what, you know, what is it, about a year ago or, or middle of level four, was it, that you... Yeah, during lockdown, we sort yeah. of discovered there's a few things going on and uh, discovered they had cancer. Um, so really, we've had a year of treatment in cure involving eight rounds of chemo, which is FOP chemo. And bearing in mind, there's possibly some among you or bound to be who've either been through it or about to or have you know, got the news. I don't want to sort of paint it too dark a picture. But I, I just sort of about my journey was eight rounds of chemo, uh, had a 10-hour operation, which was pretty significant, 36 days and nights uh, in hospital at various times. And I sort of related that to the 40 days in the desert, <laughs> <laughs> sort of. Uh, months of nausea, pain, side effects with a very high drug intake, uh, 16 kilos of weight loss, uh, loss of appetite and sense of taste. <coughs> but those things all happened very gradually. It wasn't sort of overnight. And my main difficulty in that time probably was due to drugs, pain. I didn't really function at all. Uh, mentally or physically, there's sort of no Bible reading. Uh, didn't listen to the radio or anything till later on. Uh, even prayer and listening to the Lord was sort of not an option. It's probably hard to picture, but it's just sort of how it was. So it was like a big black hole, but um, always knew the Lord was with me. Always. So this didn't affect my faith at all. It was just a separation for a while. Hmm. But the big way I saw God in Hackerton was <coughs> through visits from my wife uh, and the three sons. They were fantastic support. And also calls and visits from friends. <coughs> so instead of a sort of a, all these God things coming through, it was just a constant faith. I knew he was there. But it was through family and friends that we sort of experienced the Lord. And some of the nurses who were brilliant, absolutely brilliant. But nearly back to normal now and not on any medication at all. But don't tell my doctor that. <laughs> Yeah, I think um, we knew people were praying. We knew there were hundreds of people praying all around the country and we're so grateful for that because that, I think, is what holds you in those times. Um, all the specific things I asked prayer for, for Alan, not one of them was answered, to be honest with you. Like that he wouldn't have any side effects, that he would, um, yeah, all those things, nothing happened. In the end, after the operation, that he wouldn't have infection, well, he had two rounds of that. But in all of it, there is the sense that you're being held. You're absolutely being held. There was no uh, time, I don't think, where I really panicked. It was like you just knew the Lord was with you. And I, I think that goes back to, I've got to say, to having been in situations in the past. You know, we had a we had a pretty rough journey through. We didn't come to the Lord till we were in our 30s. 
So we had a lot of life before that, but we had a lot of learning to do after that, put it that way. And in those times, you learnt to dig in, to find the prayers, to find the scriptures that fitted the situation. And I think they just stay within you. So when you're really going through those times of real panic, you just know that the Lord is there. And you know that there's this amazing body of people that are holding you. So all I really could do was pick up my phone and flick a generic text message out there and say, this is what's happening. So thank you. Wonderful. Isn't she good? Why don't you, Alan, um, carry on with just sort of that idea of, you know, we talked about having that sort of um, simplicity of, of, um, of belief, I think you said, or, or laid back kind of. Yeah, it was sort of question was, how would you describe your faith journey? And, and I would say very laid back, um, sort of accepting of whatever the Lord put in front of us, uh, which led to us selling our farm in 2002. Um, we moved into prison ministry and was working with the down and outers. Uh, not a sympathetic ministry, but a ministry of compassion, a uh, ministry of encouragement, healing, and deliverance. Um, I've never been a great reader of Christian books or intense Bible study, unlike my darling wife. She's even had to drag me to home group <laughs> over the last 30 years. And the truth is, I'm a sort of bit of a loner. But I do love to read the word and enjoy the one-on-one -on -one ministry. And the <coughs> main thing is mixing with non-Christians. You know, shock horror. But that's our mission field. So that would be my faith journey. And still is. You know. mm. Wonderful. Anything to add to that? I mean, we were, in a way, uh, when I look back, very blessed to have come to the Lord outside of church. You know, that's mm. like a shocker. Probably. But we had Alan had an encounter with the Lord, which pushed me into a place of really, really looking for answers. Um, it took me about six months. He was like, to find that place of peace, and I was totally overcome with love. With that love, yeah, I think because we were in the country, there was not a church around us. Uh, it was a two-hour journey to a church. So we had to learn to grow with, with the Word of God and the few Christians that were around us. Mm. Um, and they all came from different denominations, so that was sort of quite a healthy place to be. And over that period of time, within the community, we became the church for that community. So it was always for people, I guess you could say, that weren't church people. Um, so when we came to town, that just continued on, and I think that's, you know, that, that, I mean, I guess the Lord always prepares you for where you're going and what you're doing. Um, and we have had a lot of life experience and we've seen lots of things in our lives, travelled a lot, so the people we were meeting with, it was easy to find a common ground and bring the Lord into that. And they saw, I mean, basically they saw the changes in us. 
would have been easy to go and perhaps hide in a you know, church somewhere or with Christian people, but they had to witness those changes happening. And I think it blew most people away. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Wonderful. Yeah, so why don't we carry on with that next? Um, the, I think it was sort of the question around sort of what um, is it the. Well, I don't have my questions here, but. That, that one about continuing health, reconnecting, that, yep. The question in front of us, with all the possibilities a new year brings, what would your heart's desire for your journey with Jesus be this year? This will probably sound uh, a little bit strange. Firstly, just to reconnect with our family, because of separations, with COVID and with cancer, um, with our three sons and daughters-in-law and our six grandchildren, soon to be eight, I believe. <coughs> twins would you believe oh wow and uh so that would be a, a big one but uh in the journey with jesus i mean he's it's part of he's always part of our journey whatever we're doing so the second one would be to continue my rehab in other words just get back to 100 percent get back to full fitness and vitality and to resume playing in the rock band <laughs> which we're already doing we've done two gigs already and uh, hence the Tahi Bar. So where can we and see? We can find you in the <coughs> Tahi Bar on Friday nights or no, Saturday nights? just night? sometimes no, the RSA, sometimes oh, yeah, the yeah, Salty right. Dog. It's usually a pub or a club or somewhere nice. rough. Yeah, Very yeah, which is, once again, a ministry area. I love mixing with musos. And the third one is in the same vein, we reconnect with the community. Fishing Club, <coughs> which meets down here at the Bottom Club. Our hiking group and our neighbours. Uh, once again, it's just ministry areas so yeah that's the year for me i've been asking you all full stop to a lot of things didn't mm. it for a lot of us um we had to really reassess what life looks like and where where we go from here part of my um yeah my journey for the last 20 or so years is that i've been going to China on a regular basis, um, which of course has come to a grinding halt. Um, so being able to leave the country and do missions trips, you've got to have a new focus and a new direction, and I'm praying that the Lord will bring that in this year. Um, for us as a family, that's very important. It's always been important to us to be as close as we can be to our children. Um, that's another part of our story. We had to send our children to boarding school when they were very, very young because there was no schooling in the area. So we had to send our children at the age of nine away to boarding school, which was... Total blessing. A total blessing, but heartbreaking, as you can imagine, as a mother. And also because we had newly become Christians, that the changes in us every time they came home from boarding school was pretty... Hard to face, if you can imagine. Um, so, yeah, just trying to pull that family together and to be family, especially as we hadn't really had that in our childhood. So, um, as Alan said, with COVID, with the lockdowns, with his illness, we couldn't have the grandchildren come because they're always tend to have running noses and things. So. It is that sense of connecting with them and trying to be godly parents to, and grandparents to our little ones um, is, yeah, just a battle sometimes, <laughs> to be honest. And I have an, also have an aged mother who is 
very, very anti-Christian. So working with her um, to find that, to be honest, the compassion and love that you need as people get older, is that's a journey in itself. Wonderful. Just, and, and I just wanted yep. to add, yeah, one is pretty important, yeah. really. Yeah, definitely. Very important. Yeah. Now, I used to back her up on her trips to China by being up here at the Chinese takeaway nearly yeah. every night. <laughs> yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. You're the wind beneath her wings, mate, I tell you. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. I, I mean, it was so, it's been so great talking to each of these guys separate. I talked to Sandra on the phone um, this week, um, and kind of for both of them, I don't even know if they knew it, because you guys didn't talk about it beforehand, eh? And they were both kind of each almost said the exact same thing about kind of, uh, you know, this, it just feels really ordinary. It just feels kind of like, oh, there's nothing really worthwhile, well, not worthwhile, but, you know, like, I think they both said it just feels something ordinary. It wasn't, it wasn't kind of like these incredible mountaintop moment, which I found so encouraging because, you know, I think, I think with, with you guys, you know, it's the, it's the ordinary, it's the everyday, it's the one foot in front of the other of, of carrying on or when you're down to get back up again, which has been so encouraging. And so just sort of for you, for you both, you know, what's some wisdom that you've picked up along the way or things that people have shared with you um, that you look back on or, or you've experienced or has come back to mind um, that you'd love to share with us, you know, and, or, or, you know, would like to share with someone who may be in an earlier um, stage of faith or a different track or whatever um, that, that you just found to be so helpful for you guys? Well, I should have thinking of myself as a brand new Christian. Um, Though Paul writes of running the race, uh, it's actually impossible to sprint through your Christian walk, and I know he didn't mean that. He meant persist, which is more like a marathon, but it is impossible to sprint through your journey. Uh, I'd suggest just keeping your faith journey steady. Don't strive. Don't force it, even though Paul talks about striving, but it's in a different sense. Mm. And relax in the sure knowledge you're a child of God, unique in the world and uh, special in his sight. And I sort of thought attaining perfection is very unlikely prior to the resurrection, so don't strive too hard. (laughs) The next thing was to (coughs) sift everything you hear and read, and I think we do that automatically, but we can just get into the mode of, oh, it's a Christian teaching and just... But sift everything, listen and, and sort out for yourself. Next thing, I think, keep it simple. And by that, I mean uncomplicated. Uh, the gospel is a very straightforward. It's also on a different level, beyond comprehension. But at that simple level, the gospel is really uh, straightforward. The Bible is also mostly crystal clear and also beyond comprehension. So... I just read it and follow its direction as best I can. And the last one really <coughs> is probably just peculiar to me, but I keep my prayers as simple as possible. And when struggling, because we all do at times, um, the Lord's prayers are a really good start. That's my line. I was very fortunate to have an older lady who mentored me when I first became a Christian. And one of the things she would do would really tell you that you are now entering basically into a a battle because you're no longer 
of this world, you're of a different world, you're now a child of God. And with that comes a whole new set of battles that we face with an enemy, but mainly with ourselves. So all our inner thinking, our thoughts need to be transformed by the word of God. Our vision needs to be looking at Jesus who is above all things. You know, keep your eyes upon Jesus and the things of this world will grow strangely dim. About learning to follow the Holy Spirit every day, every moment of every day. Another older lady had told me, learn to listen to the Holy Spirit. Ask him what to cook for dinner. Ask him if it's going to rain and get the washing off the line. Have this running commentary in your mind going on with the Lord all the time so that it's not like you find yourself in a place of help, I need you, Lord, where are you? It's like you've had that conversation going all the time anyway with him. Um, but to remember that we submit unto the Lord and the devil will flee. If, if God becomes your first priority, if the Lord's your first place of call, if you're spending time alone with him, and that's not only blocking out the noises, but it's also being quiet before him. I have two pictures in my mind that I go to all the time. One is um, basically sitting on a stool, and there's a waterfall with a big pool, and the Lord's just saying, come sit down. And it's not like there's a conversation, it's just a quiet and there's the but it's like going back to those those places where you know the Lord is always with you, and and He walks with you at all times. The um, you know, one of the scriptures I was given you know, yeah, to begin with was you know, though that you walk through the flood, you will not drown. Though you walk through the fire, you will not be burned, because the Lord is with you. He holds your hand. He's with you. He's that comfort. And I. Just, yeah, in Psalm 46, I'd just like to read it to you out of the, the Passion Translation, actually. God, you're such a safe and powerful place to find refuge. You're, proven, you're a proven help in time of trouble, more than enough, and always available whenever I need you. So we will never fear, even if every structure of support we were, were to crumble away. We will not fear even when the earth quakes and shakes, moving mountains and casting them into the sea. For the raging roar of the stormy winds and the crashing waves cannot erode our faith in you. Pause in his presence. Yeah, though the city of God is the most holy place. Into, sorry, I must. But it's basically just pausing and knowing that God is always with you, that he is that safe place, that refuge, that shelter in times of trouble. Um, and that's the safe place you find yourself when your whole world collapses around you, that he's holding you, um, you're nuzzling into him, it's safe. Wonderful. And, you know, as we, we sort of are, you know, going to take communion in a few minutes and that idea of, you know, we, we're all in a moment going to stand or, and we're going to walk toward, physically walk toward a table, walk toward... Um, these elements. One of the questions I sort of ask these guys is, what what keeps you coming back to the table in your own in your own faith journey? That idea of of coming back, and you've kind of asked, answered it again, but I just give another opportunity to sort of what what is it that that draws you back to to communion with with the Father? Uh, first one would be where we first became Christians. We 
worshipped at our little local church, which only was there once a month. I think we could go there. And it was run by an Anglican um, vicar from Narawahia. And I just found that the, the Holy Communion that we first experienced was the real reverence. Um, it's just always stuck with me. So that's one thing that holds me, brings me back. Um, the second one is the awareness that I and you are always in need of forgiveness, redemption, and cleansing. And the last one really was just, I'll just quote John, beginning of John. It's always been an important one for me, especially in relation to communion. But in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Uh, he was with God in the beginning. And through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. And in him was life, and that life was the light of men. So that's just a scripture that uh, brings me back to the table. And of course, Jesus himself instructed his disciples to take communion whenever they meet, to remember him. My answer is, where else would you go? <laughs> mm. Jesus is the only safe place to come back to. So to meet with him as often as possible and with others around the table is a very good place to be. Wonderful. Where else would you go, eh? Like, honestly, like these sort of one-offs are just what, what incredible wisdom you guys um, share with us. Um, Alan, did you want to share just briefly about your um, that time? Uh, hopefully I'm not going off script too much, but um, um, you, we talked very early on about being in hospital at that very low moment. Um, yeah, would you be able to share that? Yeah, there's well, just a few things that will just come to mind because uh, I haven't prepared anything there. Was there was once, especially relative to communion, um, it was really near the end of my last day. I think I'd gone in with a viral heart infection and I was just had a day or so to go and I was in a pretty foul ward with no disrespect to the nurses or the people in it, but it was a pretty foul ward um, spiritually and otherwise. And I was tucked into a, uh, the fourth sort of bed in the ward and I'd scored the window, which was brilliant because I used to pump my bed up and just look out the window to stay sane. But um, this chaplain came around one day and, uh, I mean, I didn't know, I couldn't see him coming because of all the curtains, but uh, I heard him come in and he said, uh, anyone want Holy Communion? And I was thinking, whoa, that'd be good. And he was gone. <laughs> <laughs> Someone must have said, no, <laughs> given him the <clears throat> whatever, the bird. And, uh, but he was gone. But I just sort of sat there thinking, oh, I really would have liked communion today, you know. Um, I suppose a couple of other little things would be just meeting people. Uh, it's my natural nature, I think, just to grin or to say good day. And so there were lots of situations of people much worse off than myself. Uh, I mean, really worse off than myself. Maybe the same thing, but 10 years older. Um, maybe a lot younger and a worse, in a worse situation, but... I just found that we met in a communal bathroom wash toilet area. It's quite big, but I used to feel for the women who were having to mix with all the men and the showers, the toilets. I mean, it wasn't exactly ideal. This is New Zealand and our hospitals, and I'm grateful for it. But it was a, quite a difficult situation. So I found it a place that you could encourage people or just say hello. And there was one little Indian woman that... She wouldn't, um, she had quite long hair, very short, a bit like Sandra here, apart from the hair. And, and she was um, just, she just looked sort of in the ground and 
not talking to anybody, scared out of her brain, I think. And the culture was obviously uh, difficult for her. And I just found over a few days of saying hello that um, she sort of came right out of her shell. Uh, the other one would be the nurses who were just absolutely brilliant. There'd only be one or two exceptions in all the time that I was in there that uh, <coughs> I just felt that they were so um, supportive, so caring, um, and overworked, of course. And I have one when I was really low. In fact, I think for two or three days there, I was sort of, uh, I didn't really care whether I went or I stayed. Um, but this guy, oh, I was having panic attacks, that's right because of all these drugs and trouble breathing. <coughs> and there was this guy, Michael, and uh, a nurse, and he came and he was really helpful for me. So I ended up calling him the Archangel Michael. <laughs> <laughs> but I discovered later he is born again Christian. Yeah, yeah. But now lots of things happen and they're mm -hmm. really special things. Mm. Right. Uh, he remains his cheerful, chirpy self, even at the worst of times, and I think that says a lot about the Lord's presence being with him, to be honest with you. Um, just want you to know that Alan was given the all clear, that, you know, what he's been through. Um, when we went back for the follow-up, they basically, and we said, well, when do we come back? You know, because normally you have to go back quite often for checkups and things. And he's, they said, we don't want to see you for at least a year. Um, you're all clear to go home. So, I mean, that is a miracle. The little miracles might not have happened along the way, but the big miracle has happened. He's still here. And if that wasn't God's choice, then we actually were in a place we could have accepted that too. So, I mean, that's a miracle as well, to be honest with you. Yeah. And I thank God for the amazing, you know, the fact that there was a, a Christian nurse, actually with more than one Christian nurse, there were quite a lot of them. You discover that we had had a marvelous neighbour who had been through a similar experience, who I could go to regularly and ask um, for help and comfort and prayer. Thank you, Delise. <laughs> um, yeah, we had we had the support of our neighbours, who the majority of them aren't Christians, but they were phenomenal. They really were. I'll take my hat off. They didn't actually ring me and say, "What would you like?" I get a phone call. Um, from one and said, I'm your taxi tomorrow, what time do you want to be picked up? And another one would say, what time can I come and collect you? You know, and then they'd chop firewood and it would be in the woodshed. It was like, I mean, all these amazing blessings that God just pours into our lives. So thank you and thank you, Lord, for everything. Wonderful. Amen to that. Yeah. And so any any final, no, final words? <laughs> any, any... Um, <laughs> See you on the other side. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's right. Anything else you'd like to say? You know, just sort of, just before we move into communion and... Well, I don't know what I'm going to say. I'm just going to, you know, open my mouth and talk. But what I said before, there's, in a congregation, there's always people who've been through it. Not necessarily cancer, it could be anything. Uh, who are going to go through it or who have just heard. And I think it is really important to have this sort of... In my situation, I thought, why me? Because people would say, why me? It never occurred to me to think that because I sort of thought in the overall scheme of things, um, we just specks of sand in the universe, just totally irrelevant. And then on the other side, we're special children of God. And so I sort of thought, well, he knows everything that's going on. Um, why should I worry about it? So I didn't. 
um, yeah, just if you're going into those kind of situations, uh, just trust in the Lord and what will happen will happen. Yeah, come through it the right way. I think when you come to a place you know God is good and his plans for us are good, then you can accept whatever's really going on around you because he is in control and he is still on the throne, he is still sovereign and he will rule and reign in this earth one day and all these hardships will be gone. But for now, we walk through this life, which is a journey. And I was just looking at the map of that little rug on the floor in the playroom before. And, you know, there's lots of big roads. But off the big roads, there's these little roads. And it's learning to actually follow the Holy Spirit and his leading as to where he's taking you and leading you. And often that isn't on the main course or the main highway that everybody seems to be on. But trust him. Trust him. You know, he's good. He is good. Wonderful. Why don't we um, Why don't we stand, and we're going to. Um, I will um, pray, and then you know, roughly, if you're gonna, if you're gluten free, definitely go to that side. The gluten free bread is under the under the glass. Yeah, worship team wants to come on up. Gluten free is under the glass little dome there. Um, and then we're just going to, if you grab your, if you grab your elements and then come back to your seat and sit down, and then we'll take them, we'll take them together. So, Father, I, th- I thank you so much for, um, for the, the, the length and the, um, the size and the welcome of your table this morning, God. I thank you that, that none of us. Are, um, are exempt. In fact, all of us have a place, a place at your table. God, I thank you for just Alan and Sandra and their, their journey with you, God, and how, how unique and special their journey is. It's also um, a bit like Alan said, it's just another story that we all have, a story of, of your goodness, of your favor, of your, of your being there with us when it's easy and your being there with us when it's hard. And so, God, this morning as we approach your table, God, we do so um, humbly and reverently. But we do so also boldly knowing we have a place at your table, that we belong at your table. So why don't you guys just sort of make your way 